before we start today's show, it will be brought to you by Kuoi Kyoto. It's a watch brand that was established in the historic Japanese city of Kyoto in 2020. The brand was created with the vision of appealing a classic design from Kyoto to the world. They want people from around the world to enjoy high-quality classic design watches made in Japan. Now, the brand was actually created by the designer and founder, Uchimura who believes the appeal of classic is universal. And I think you do too, if you are a fan of the Porsche brand, hence listening to Porsche Talk Podcast. I love the watches. They are so classically designed, it's incredible. And if you don't like wearing watches the size of the Beastie Boys' watch that he wears around his neck, you should check these watches out, particularly if you have a smaller wrist. Both their men's and women's watches are unbelievably classic. So please check out Kuoi Kyoto at kuoe-en.com. Don't ask me what you know is true. Don't have to tell you I love your precious heart I I was standing You were there Two worlds collided And they could never tear us apart G'day boys, how are you today? Welcome to Porsche Talk Podcast, Ajmal and Max. How you doing? Hello. Great to see you both. Good to be back. Yeah, thanks for coming back, Max. It's uh, a delight to have you back to follow on with the conversation we were having on your previous appearance on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fun uh, Fun to be here. Thanks for, uh, thanks for inviting me again. <laughs> More than welcome. Ajmal, I've got to ask, the listeners are all wondering, we're waited with bated breath. How's the garage going? Well, um, I'm still on the... Did we, did we talk about giant screws last week? Giant screws? Did we talk about giant screws? <laughs> yeah, we spoke about giant screws. Hang on. Just okay, well, for listeners that have just tuned in for the first time, this is Porsche Talk Podcast, but before we get there, Ajmal's trying to build himself a garage. And when I say he's trying to build himself a garage, it's honestly, it's just like an accident happening in slow motion. So, Ajmal, tell us about your joint screws. It's so so. Just to bring Max up to speed as well. So, I've moved to uh, a, a Grade Two listed building that's like 270 years old, and we've got planning permission for a, a three-bay oak-framed garage in the garden. And, nice. But it's on, but it's it's on a sloping part of the garden, so I need to bring it up. And everyone's been telling me I need to get, you know, concrete shuttering, big concrete pump. Concrete's like bad for the environment. You know, it's there forever. It's there for, you know, for, forever until the end of time. Yeah, We've all been and in Rome. We've to, seen what the Romans built. Yes, you're right, Ajmal. Exactly. So I wanted some kind of alternative solution that also wasn't going to cost a huge amount of money. So people are saying, oh, for that slab of concrete, it's like 25 grand. And you're like, what? The building costs less than that. So anyway, 
that's when the giant screws come in. So, giant so, screws. Tell us, what so are these giant company, screws? What are they? So there's a company called No More Dig, and they have these. <laughs> they have. <laughs> they have these giant screws, but they're like two meters long, and they're fat, and they screw them into the ground, and they can each take the weight of like five tons each, and they put them in, and then they put a metal frame on top, which you then fill with a small amount of concrete, and it's the right amount of weight. So it'll take the it'll take the weight of the building, a car, and instead of costing twenty five thousand pounds, it's less than five. Wowza. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, it sounds like a deal. Yeah. So I'm I'm now investigating, you know, giant screws. Getting giant screws in the garden. Love it. Love it. So have you, you moved house then since I was last on? Or was this the house no, that you're no, in? No, I, I, okay. I moved probably about 20 months ago. Um, oh, right, okay. And I used to have a single, uh, I used to live in a townhouse, so I had a single garage that I had my Porsche 912 in. And yeah. now that's away in storage. And we've got a nice big driveway and it's at the end of the garden. But And there's a great space to have this garage, which, you know, we've put the planning in, got the permission. It's just getting it. It's just the groundworks that are the holdup because people come okay. along and they're, you know, during lockdown, every price of everything went up. Uh-huh. Uh, everyone was getting their house renovated. So people just turned up and instead of saying, hey, it's five grand to fill a bit of concrete there, they were saying, oh, well, I need to get an engineer in. I need to do a survey. I need to do this. And it ends up being, you know, tens of thousands of pounds. Um, so I thought I'm I'm not going to spend that much money on it. So so yeah, it's uh, giant screws is the way forward. Fantastic! Okay. I can't wait to see this thing fall slow motion down the street. Yeah, that sounds cool. And how's um so twenty months in then? How's that grade two listed life? Is it is it like bouncy floors, leaky ceilings, drafty windows, or is it idyllic? Uh, apart from the leaky ceilings, all of those things, and. <laughs> <laughs> So we we need new windows on. So one part of the house, which is, as my wife calls it, the new part of the house, uh, which is only two hundred years old, um, has 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 new windows in it, and it's all double glazed and it's all fine. The other part of the house has old nineteen fifties windows, and some of them are literally falling apart. You know, when you try and clean the inside of the glass, you think, is that going to fall out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Too hard. Is that going to fall out? And so you have to put in permission to try and change those. And then there's this big list that you have to go through of the type of windows that you can have. It's the same with the front door. We got somebody in to try and change. Our front door, when you're stood inside looking at the front door, there's just streams of light coming from both yeah, sides yeah. because there's such big gaps. And so to get a new one, it's so complicated. There's so many tick boxes that you have to go through. And even then, someone will turn up to do a survey and say, oh, you need to move that tiny little thing there that's historically significant. You can't do that. So we're in that process. But at the same time, there's like you get terrible condensation because you get hot and cold air coming together. So yeah, yeah living through that at the moment. But love the house though. Love being here. Don't regret it for a second. Okay. Okay. Now that's interesting. We've got a house on the market, you see, at the moment. And one of the options that we're looking at, which Mandy heavily favors, is a 17th century Grey Two listed farmhouse. Uh, which is very Ooh. charming, but I, I have a bit of fear about living there, to be honest, uh, for all well, those reasons <laughs> that you've just described. 
Well, the thing is, I mean, the, when you look at it, though, all the stuff that you're doing to it, you, and, you, and you think, well, I'm not going to knock it down because it's been stood there for 270 years. But yeah. the thing that you have to be sort of mindful of is that probably 10, 15 years ago, people had a different method of things like stopping damp and things like that, because that house won't have foundations. It'll be built on soil. Yeah. So yeah. So it will absorb into the uh, – bear with us, listeners. This is about Porsches eventually. <laughs> but but, but, but the, the, when, when the, soil, the ground is wet and it rains a lot, the walls absorb moisture. And, but you have to let that moisture come out. And in the early 2000s and the 90s and 80s, everyone thought, I know, we'll tank all the walls in concrete. Yeah. All you're doing is you're just sending the moisture up and up and up and up and up into the wall. Um, so you get condensation on the inside, on the outside, and it's just it, you get mold and all sorts of problems. Uh, so we're p- unpicking all of that at the moment. So someone had painted the inside of the house with plastic paint, for example. Right. So okay. I had to take all that off, dig up concrete floors. But it, it's very rewarding, though. And, and I even went on a lime plastering course because oh, you can't yeah. put modern plaster on. So, you, Max, you know, if you do end up in this old hovel, oh, sorry, home, right, that you'll be able to call Ajmal to fix those walls up for you. Well, I think you might have to come and move in because all those things you're just saying, they give me the heebie-jeebies. They should. I'm not going to. All I'm hearing is less time for cars. That's all I'm hearing. Exactly. Yes, snap. Yeah, but will you have more space for cars? Yes, that is true. There you go, see? But no money to spend on them. (laughs) That is the problem that I'm having because... Because I'm now having to do all the stuff to get a garage built because I haven't got any money to get somebody else to do it. Got it. So I'll be doing giant screwing woodwork. I was talking to my wife about your garage project this afternoon whilst we're enjoying a bevy on the front veranda watching the sunset. And my wife said, I think Ajmal should just fly you over and organise it for him. (laughs) Do it. Oh, God, that'd be yeah, amazing. That's a good happy idea. And happy in the summer. Now, the, <laughs> let's talk Porsche for a second. Oh, hang on. Before we talk Porsche, my intro song, In Excess, Never Tear Us Apart, hit me hard, that album, Kick, in my mid-teens. I'd recently left home, moved to Sydney from Geelong in Victoria, which is right down the bottom of the main part of the island of Australia. So I'd left home at the age of 15, 16, and... Uh, Went and lived in Sydney to do an apprenticeship, and I've got to tell you, when that album came out, couldn't believe it. I reckon I wrecked three tapes. You know, when you play tapes too long, how they stretch? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I yeah. reckon I bought three yeah. copies of that tape. It's great. It's a great album. I remember Hell having an a album. long set tape. And uh, but I was I was um, a fan of Michael Hutchins because he did some good stuff, and he also had um, he joined another band, didn't he? Called. Your namesake, Max Q. <laughs> he did. He I didn't was, know that. It was sort of almost like a, um, yeah, it was like a project on the side type thing. It's a little bit like David Bowie joining Tin Machine. Yes, yes. Tin Machine. Okay, okay. Tin Machine. I thought it was Tin Machine. You might be right. Might be Tin Machine. I've got the CD of Tin Machine. Well, this very, album. Very average. Max Q was pretty good. Max Q is a great album. I had it on cassette and now I've upgraded to a CD, which I had to get as a Japanese import because you can't get it. And it's not even on Spotify. It's not on Spotify. Really? It's madness. 
I love a Japanese import though, especially when they have those little stickers on with the Japanese writing. It makes it look yeah, really cool. Little stickers on, but they, they someone had taken them off. Oh, that's disappointing. That's really annoying. It's the sort of thing your daughter. Would yeah. Do. Sixteen years old, Mark. Though that's a great age to be hearing an album like that oh, and be absorbing yeah, an album sure like that, is. isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, Perfect. It. That that whole about nineteen eighty two through to about nineteen eighty eight was really formative for me in listening to music that wasn't given to me from my parents' generation. It was my yeah. sound, which I'm sure it is for every kid, you know what I mean? But that era of not – I had no outside influence because I wasn't living at home anymore. I left home quite young. So it was for me it was just discovering what was out there and, you know, listening to independent radio stations for whatever's on and going to yeah. see shows or see bands at pubs because, you know, back in the 80s you'd go to the pub when you're 16 and no one cared, you know, <laughs> things like that. So, so- – it was just a good so what year did that album come out then? Uh, I reckon it was 85, maybe. 86, okay. yeah, kick. yeah. Kick. I'll do some research and come back to you, Max. Let me, let me, let me check. Go on then. You Google yeah, yeah. for me, Ashmel. And the, um, yeah, it was just a, yeah, for me it was unreal. But the, Max, how old is 87, was it? 87, 87 okay. Yeah. Max, how so old I, I Sorry, go on. I'd have been listening to Van Halen, and they were my favourite band at that David point. David Lee Roth. Why can't they... um, well, I think that's just into Sammy. That's probably the start of the Sammy Hagar era with the album 5150, which had <laughs> Why Can't This Be Love, which was a big hit. Yeah, yeah, good one. Uh, so uh, I think it's that that sort of yeah that sort of time. They they were my you know my my band that weren't, you know, a band that I got from my mum. I got some great musical influences from my mum more than my dad, but Van Halen wasn't one of them. They were my own thing. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah my my uh, family influences were Rolling Stones, Beatles, the, you know, the the textbook stuff, bit of um, Ry Cooter, bit of bluesy stuff, you know, that sort of yeah. thing to look back on. And I still love that music, don't get me wrong. You know, like I'd go and see the Rolling Stones every day for the week if I were on. You know, I've yeah, seen yeah. the last couple of times I have. But anyway. While they're still alive. What's that? While they're still alive? Yeah, you're right. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that point. I'll tell you a great, I'll tell you a great Rolling convinced. Stone story, Max, while I was while we're on that, before we get yeah. to Porsche talk, it was um, I was, I reckon it would have been 1989 or 88, around that era. I'd been off away out of Sydney on work for a bit, come back, get back in the evening get off the train at King's Cross Station in Sydney, go straight into King's Cross Hotel, and I'm sitting in the main bar there talking to some guys I worked with, and they, I was listening in the back of my mind, I thought, oh, there's a band next door playing um, Gimme Shelter, Rolling Stones song. I thought, oh, I might go and wander in and see how they're going. And I knew that the Rolling Stones were coming to Sydney because I had a ticket to go and see them in three nights' time, right? I go in there and there are three people in there in, uh, on the stage, Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, Charlie Watts, playing an acoustic wow. session as a warm-up wow. in preparation. And I'm just going to go, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, what is this? This is amazing. I've got to tell someone. I go out the bar. You're not going to believe, guys. Oh, yeah, who cares? Are you serious? <laughs> they played for That's two and special. a half hours. You know what I mean? And there's only about 30 people in the room. Yeah, it's just one Amazing. of those great moments of music, you know, that you'll... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's life. special. That is special. Yeah. 
see, I saw them in uh, at Wembley, and it was the same thing. There's none of that fake. We're going off and then do an encore thing. They just play for hours and hours and hours straight through. No break. Age throughout the show. Then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just you just go. Can they get any older? When you when I remember thinking how it was the Voodoo Lounge tour. So oh, you know yeah, we're yeah, talking nineties, yeah. early mid, early nineties, and um and you're thinking how long can these guys keep doing that? And years later they're still doing. And they're it. probably still touring tonight somewhere. Yeah, yeah they're still probably touring. You just think, wow, yeah. that's insane. I haven't seen them, that's actually. What, you know, I'll, I'll probably, if I don't, I'll, it's probably something I'll live to regret. Oh, you will. So I, I, I saw to, them yeah. two years ago here in Perth. It was a great show. <laughs> they, they're at it. Still going, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. yeah it's still anyway, you, you'd hope you're good at it after doing it that long, though, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> you would, but... Pretty well practiced. Yeah, yeah. Hey, um, is it, but is it, is it like football? Hang on, is it like okay, football? Hang on, hang on. Before you do that, is it like football where you get to a certain point, you just go, you should just retire? That's probably it. Oh, well, th- that, that theory would carry weight in football because younger people coming up behind you and it's a young person's sport. And there is music that's come up behind the Rolling Stones, but some things, it's not just them. There's plenty Some things of musicians timeless, that have been going they? for 40, 50 years nowadays, isn't there, that are still punching out the classic tunes that they knew, but they're not releasing new stuff. Or if they are, it's the same three chords they used to write the old stuff. Yeah. Oh, but is this is this like going back to Porsche, like they tried to phase out the 911 many yeah, times over, and it's still going? <laughs> yeah, with the 928, you know, 968, whatever it might be. And then it's still going, and all of those just died to death. So, do you think yeah, this whole no is, is this whole podcast going to turn into a metaphor for the nine eleven? <laughs> that is it. Maybe. That is it. <laughs> Sixty years, nine eleven becomes a pensioner, but still going strong. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, it's, got, it's no, actually it's gotten I was bigger. Just, I was just thinking about the. I used to huge. But before we got onto that, the uh, but I was thinking about the nine two eight when it first came out. It did look very futuristic, didn't it? And when I was at the Porsche uh, Center probably two weeks ago, and I went to the classic event, there was a, a pristine example there. And you could see how, when it came out at the time, you would think, "Wow, that's really futuristic." Um, but it's the what's the what's the American car that's ridiculed that um, Wayne from Wayne's World drove. Is it the Pacer? Uh, yes, yes. AMC Pacer. Pacer. AMC Pacer, that's it. Um, And it kind of, that people thought that was the modern car. That's like a Jetsons type car in the future. And very quickly that just went, oh my God, that's horrific. But I think the 928's having a bit of a moment. 928's are cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm into it. Well, you've got to remember, you you say it was very futuristic, right? Styling-wise, no question. The thing looked like a spaceship when it came out. I remember. You know, it was a it was yeah. very, it was a big deal for me as a kid seeing it in magazines. That thing, I'd love to see one of these in real life one day. Didn't they have like aluminium doors in them and stuff like this? They, they used aluminium in the construction of that car, I'm sure of it. Yeah, you know, yeah so I think they were pretty tricky. Yeah, there was, and like I can tell you now, if you ever want to see like the equivalent of valve technology in building a computer, you should see the relay so that it's sitting underneath the passenger floor footwell cover. It will horrify any auto electrician. In fact, I'm sure there's some of them in straight jackets that have been sent in trying to fix them before. You know, yeah, that's one of the things that's always put me off getting a nine to eight is the, the potential complications of nine to eight ownership. 
They're not they're like owning a grade two listed building. It's, yeah. not, it's not for me. <laughs> yeah. In fact, <laughs> yeah. if you go and live on that farm, you should buy yourself a 928 just to close the circle, okay, of frustration. <laughs> yeah, I should. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it is a little bit like that, though. It's when you, unlike in a listed, you know, a 270-year-old building, when you pick at something, you can't just go, oh, I'm just going to put that back. You can't. You go. It's too late. It's like a, a. It's like a waterfall. As soon as you go, oh, I'll have a look at that. You've picked up something that you can't just push back and go. No, I'll deal with that later. Yeah, yeah. It's that's it. It just falls to the floor in a, in a little heap of dust, and you think, oh shit. And it must be the same as uh, with a a nine to eight. And you go, oh, something's not right. I know. I'll have a look at it, and you go, oh my god, the wiring's all horrific. Yeah. I had a um. I'm, I don't know if this is a thing in the UK, but here in Australia, we have a thing called bring out your dead semi-regularly where you've got junk in your house you go put it in your front verge and the and the local council come pick it up and dispose of it for you they do it like four times a year or something like that right and um anyway that happened in the street parallel to us two weeks ago maybe it was only last week actually anyway this old completely flogged within an inch of its life you could not have a more flogged nine to eight red one with no red matching colour on any panel, rust marks, you know, that have just drained down through the paint. All the wheels were curbed and oxidised. And the guy lives on the beach. I actually know where he lives. He's not too far away from here. And I saw him for the first time because I've seen the car a number of times. It's like the most flogged 928 that's ever ever got number plates still on it. And in the back, he's just got shit in it. Like... You know, broken fans that he thinks he's going to fix. Like, I'm sure his house must be like Steptoe and Son. Anyway, so he's um, he's just rummaging through. He's got a bike wheel and he's got a, you know, and he's picked up a computer main board and he's put them in the back of his 928 and closed the hatch. And I said, g'day, mate, how are you? And he goes, yeah, good, good. I said, tell me about this car. It fascinates me. I said, I love these cars. How long you had it for? He said, well, I brought it, I brought it with me when I migrated from the UK 35 years ago. Wow, okay. And he's changed the oil twice. (laughs) Oh, my word. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And it's still going. But you should have heard it drive off. Yeah, I don't know if it's got a hole in the exhaust. It inevitably does have a rusted out hole in the exhaust. You can take that to the bank, right? That thing sounded like a NASCAR when it left. You should have heard it. It was amazing. <laughs> with how flogged it was. It was incredible. Anyway. So he wasn't putting that out for bring out your dead then? He no, was no, bringing he his out, stuff. No, he was driving around collecting other people's dead stuff. Oh. <laughs> and it was just full of shit. See, Max, I thought that's where it was going. I thought that's where it was going, that you were going to say, someone had put this car out to be taken away. Look, it looks... So it you're going to tell us you're now a 928 owner. If you left it parked there too long, I think that's what people would assume. That's how bad this car is. Like canvas on both back tires visible. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> 35-year-old tires. Oh, you know, I bet they've never been replaced, Max. You know, <laughs> they're probably still the new tires from when he bought the car new. And he did buy it brand new, he told me, in the UK. Next time you see it, what? you've got to get a picture. I've got. I've actually got a picture, picture of it on my Instagram. I'll, I'll flick it through. Oh, have you? Yeah, for, yeah, uh, yeah, do. Probably uh, a few, yeah, I would have posted probably about two or three months ago when I was driving down the street because I was looking at another property and he was like, going, hang on, look at that thing. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh, my God. Wow. That's amazing because the thing is, uh, although it does give, you know, um, 
sort of some credence to if you just don't change the oil, they just keep going. It doesn't matter. Well, I think I reckon it's just you know maybe we over we, we over baby cars. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe just, you know. I'm not willing to take the it's... risk to find out though. I got a hair. Yeah, but that's it. That's the car. Oh yeah, that's the one. Oh, it's got the got the nice wheels as well. Yeah, I don't know about that's that. That's my favourite shape of nine to eight. I don't know that much about nine to eights, but I know that I like that one. <laughs> is well, that the is it what's it called? The S four. Is that? Um, he'll never sell it. He will never sell that car. He'll get buried in it. <laughs> and he may very cool. well sooner oh, than he planned. <laughs> that is cool. I like that a lot. <laughs> hey, um, in Max. Not- just as some uh, feedback here, really enjoyed the last podcast you did with PTSRS. Oh, yeah. Great that podcast. I love, I, look, I'm fascinated by colours, right? But it's outside of my, like, if I coincidentally find the right car in a great colour, that's how I'll end up with one. It won't be a case of I'll, the colour will be the deal maker or breaker for me to buy a car, you know, if yeah. I'm in the market. If I ever buy a brand new 911, which I am planning to at some point in the next five or six years, I will order a PDS car myself. And it is going to be what so color? flamboyant. Wow. It is incredible. Have you got a color in mind? No one's going to want to buy it. Yeah, I want that ultraviolet metallic or whatever it's called, viola metallic or something like that. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, like purple. Yes, yes, yes. Something that's you know, off the width of scale. I do like the I oranges I think you should get too. one. And I don't like lava orange. Put a chrome wrap like on it. What was that? Sorry, Ashwell. Get one with a and put a chrome wrap on it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way to go. No, but I, yeah, I'll, I'll, that's that's the path I'll go. I'll go for something completely off the Richter scale because I really love what um, Matt Farah's done with his box the spider. You know, with oh yeah, 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 frozen yeah. berry with the red interior, just because yeah. it's so. But the car, if you had it in a car like that, it's off the Richter scale anyway of uh, flamboyant, so you can't try to hide it. So you may as well embrace yeah. it. Well, I suppose so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That was a great, great podcast to record, though. Will's a super cool guy. Yeah, he sounds it. Um, he's, he's into it. He's he's invested, you know, up to his back axles. He knows his stuff. He no really knows his whatsoever. stuff. No, that was great. I'm not sure about Chrome Wraps, though. Actually, in, in, back in my days in Reading, um, there was a C63 saloon Merc in a sort of blue chrome wrap um i used to see that round quite a lot i don't know if it's still still doing the rounds in reading or not but that's pretty that's pretty oh. gross i wanted to say that was me but it wasn't <laughs> <laughs> the uh but the thing is it's there was a time where especially when they were promoting something and i remember when the jaguar formula one team they promoted I don't know Silverstone I think it was um the Silverstone Grand Prix and the drivers turned up for the night before some kind of bash black tie thing and they were in chrome uh chrome wrapped jags and and I remember thinking that they look awful <laughs> you know it's not a good look drive that. No. In saying that yeah it's not a good look in saying that on that look and that style right about chrome wrap I'm a big fan of those runge cars that the guy in the States hand beats and polishes in the aluminium. You've seen those cars? He makes, ah, right, okay. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You haven't seen them, Hajmar? 
it's no. Run, it's Runge what? or Runge or something. R U N G E. Check him out. He 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 custom builds motor cars for people along the lines of the um, you know fifties race car style of things. He's got yeah, he just makes some amazing stuff, and he makes them out of aluminium sheet. Builds the bucks for his design. He's got some fascinating stuff on YouTube and on Instagram on how he does real life design on a chalkboard to get his profiles and stuff. It's fascinating about the construction of motor cars. And I'm sure it's, you know, it's just an evolution on what was done in the past when they built those first three, five, sixes here in uh, Gmund in Austria, you yeah. know, where they had to design that first buck for that design, you know? So I, yeah, I find that stuff fascinating, you know? The, um, Some of these look very cool. Yeah, they are very cool. They're probably a zillion dollars a shot because he only makes like one car a year. For his um, but it's just they don't look. I mean, when, when you see when you see the metal frame that he puts under the body, and you just think, oh, that's there's not much. There's no crumple zones there, are there? <laughs> Nor were there on those cars built in that era. That is that well, is true. true. That is true. So, you know, no, they look good. Hey, um, I've got a, a topic here I'd like to ask you about, Max, which is um. And it's related to the Group C stuff to a little bit, to a degree. And that is, I was thinking about endurance racing with the new 963 that Porsche are going out to try and fly the flag again and have a crack at Le Mans and Uh Sabring and all that sort of thing this year again. And we all look back on Porsche's racing history in the golden age of endurance racing from, say, you know, or actually from the start, you know, from – the 550 Spiders going racing at, um, you know, down there in uh, Sicily at Targa Floria right through the 908s and then the Le Mans racing, etc. So the evolution of the Porsche race car is inherently linked to endurance racing pretty much until they change the rules so 911 would be the only option to use or a variation of that. And then it continued through again with the turbo cars, right? Yeah. I'm pretty curious. Do you think that when we do you think the cars or the era of racing or the um is looked at then the way it is now like we look back at it you know with you know rose-colored glasses quite a bit i wonder how popular it was in the mainstream media because right now to get detail on how the 963 is going each week you've got to go digging pretty hard on the internet and back then there was no internet so how i was just curious do you reckon it was um how do you think the mainstream public would have seen those types of races? Group C was pretty popular in the UK. Um, you know, it was um, it got some mainstream coverage. Yep. The year that I went, which is nineteen eighty seven, same year that NXS Kit came okay. out. Yeah, um, that's that's the year that I went with my dad, and that year it was shown, or the start of the race in the first twenty minutes or half an hour was shown on. Saturday morning, BBC, you know, sort of mainstream TV. Um, so Group C was a really popular formula. I'm not sure how much of the, of the fact was the fact that Jaguar were, were back in and, you know, they had a really good uh, yep. crack at it in 1987. Maybe that was a factor in the UK and Derek Bell as well. So there was there was a lot of British interest. But I think generally Group C was 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 pretty popular even at the time. And, you know, there's a there's 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 one theory that, um, that says that Bernie kind of killed Group C because Group C was too popular, and it was you know it was endangering of encroaching on the popularity of Formula One. 
So when they changed the formula to the three and a half litre normally aspirated engines, kind of killed the whole thing. That was a that was that was a tactic. That was a tactical move on Bernie's part to kind of knock Group C into a cocked hat. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. We'll run with it anyway. Um, but, it's not um, right, Bernie. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah. So I think that that era was. But you know, others. I, I I don't know. I mean, I have to admit, I then slightly lost track with sports car racing you know i was distracted by other things after that so i don't know that's a that's a, that's a good good question what do you think asma what's your take on well, I'm, not just group c but even I'm earlier let's go back to say the 70s where you know we had 917s racing against uh ferraris and stuff like that you know i'm just we we have such great coverage of it of that era to look back on as enthusiasts today but i'm wondering how popular it was in the day when it was happening well, I was just going to say, uh, just reiterate what Mark said, because there was a lot more motorsport on television when I was a kid in the 80s. And it was, you know, there were touring cars, there was, um, you know, motorcycling, there was that program Kickstart. Do you remember that, Max? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, where, um, and then obviously you had Le Mans, and they, this, this was prime time Saturday, you know, during the day when everyone's waiting for the football results or something, it was on. And you could just sit there and watch it. And it was it had the same kind of profile. I want to say same, but it probably wasn't the same. It was similar to um to Formula One. And Formula One, I mean, became just exploded over here when obviously Nigel Mansell came along. Um, it was massive. And then he ended up driving for an English team, you know, a British team um in Williams. And it just the the scenes that they used to show at, at um Silverstone, you know when he when he won in Red Five, and just yeah. the you know the the kind of track invasion from all the spectators where they just you know crowded him out when he was on the track, he was still in the car, and those kind of things they were on television all the time. So even now, I think the viewership of Formula One and if you if you went back before Drive to Survive, because that's obviously taken it to a completely new audience. But before then, I felt like since Bernie moved it completely to pay television to Sky, um, Formula One had fewer viewers, but was making a lot more money. And whereas now they've with this with this drive to survive, they've pushed it out to so many different audiences and uh, different um, demographics of uh, population that it's become massively popular. Obviously, it's more people are flocking to it. But I think back then, so many different categories were so much more popular. And uh, and I would not be surprised if Bernie killed it because, you know, that was his golden goose was Formula One. And you couldn't have anything threatened that. So I think there's there's this it's I can't really understand how it just before, you know, you, you you're an adult, you look and you go, hang on, there's no more sport on television. When did that happen? Yeah. Apart from Formula yeah. E now. Yeah. You are right, though, because they used to show Rallycross on the telly, the Lombard yeah. RAC Rally, that was a big thing. Yes. You know, yeah. all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I used yeah, to yeah, love yeah. that. And, and I remember, you know, I remember seeing the Lancia Delta, like, you know, yeah. destroying everyone. I, I remember the Audi Quattro. That, that, all of that stuff was on television. And then, and, you know, Lombard RAC, that, it was called that a long time ago, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. Show my and, age there. <laughs> and, and it was... Um, but, but it's 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 all gone, and you know, prime time you used to watch it. Whereas now you have to really look to watch it. And even if you want to watch Formula One, my brother has a subscription to Sky, but he travels, 
So he's in different countries and he, he said, I can't watch it anywhere. I can't I have to get a VPN. Um, I have yeah. to try and pretend I'm in Australia so I can use my Sky subscription. And he said, it's not working because they try and block you. And if you buy a subscription, you log on on your machine and you're in a hotel, you can't cast it anywhere. You can't put it on television. You have to watch it on your phone or a tablet. So it seems like they're making it more difficult for people to watch, people who are paying for the service and are enthusiasts. But with the lower categories, they are they're disappearing and that's a shame. Yeah. I agree. I don't know if in in the nineteen seventies, I don't know how people felt at the time about the era of the nine seventeen. Because when when you know surveys are done of the greatest Porsche racing car, sometimes the nine five six, nine six two nicks it, but not, not very usually. Often. Normally it's the normally it's the nine seventeen. Yeah, That's what people look back it was at. The game changed the really as, as the, for the yeah. brand, wasn't it? You know, it was. Yeah. There's, so, there's pre nine seventeen, there's post nine seventeen when it comes to racing cars. Yeah. So whether at the time in the nine seventeen era, whether that was, uh, you know, Ferrari, you know, they had the what the five one two at that point. So they were, you know, there were some battles going on. Whether how big that was, it's a bit before my time. So I don't know. Or or, or, or whether there's a, there's a Steve McQueen factor in in, in there. Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure. But like you associate, look, you talk about those cars. Yeah, the era just, the, the years just leading up to the 917, we've got GD40. Now, there's very few cars as iconic as that. Like it is equally as yeah. iconic as mm. the 917 yeah. is as a car. In fact, I would go so far as to say both those cars would be considered more iconic to more people than what the equivalent Ferrari for that era was. You know, the, yeah. someone would be able to point at one of those, say that's a GD40 or that's a 917. For the Ferrari, it could be one of six cars that they could point at and not really know which year it fell into. So, yeah, I was just curious right. about, about the um, about that, and it sort of led me into the, – the reason I bring it up is because I wonder if where Formula E is actually going. Like Porsche are heavily invested financially, you know, why? Why are they doing it? Why is this series still exist? And – in 20 years, will we look back and say that was a turning point? You know, like, is is that is are we creating an icon in that series? I don't believe so, but I'm just curious of what other people think. Yeah. I uh I tried to be positive about Formula E, but I struggled to get excited about it. Um I've never I've watched little bits of it. I, I've never watched a whole broadcast, you know, so we get that on Channel 4. Is it on Channel 4, actually? I think it's on, yeah, I think, I think uh, it's on Channel 4. Is it on Channel 4? I, oh, I thought it might have been on ITV. Uh, yeah, I mean, the fact that we don't know. Yeah, the fact that we don't know is telling, isn't it? We don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And but like, I've, um, but I, I've watched a couple of races, and they are, I mean, it's it's the nature of the beast, I guess. You know, there, there's no noise, so there's it takes some of the atmosphere away. And That's also, the things squeal like buggery. The, the noises those things make. Yeah, it's, it's just not the same. It's, it's a the different kind of, noise, right? It is a different noise, but it's not. Yeah, and it doesn't. It doesn't create the atmosphere. But also, there's something inherent in the racing that when when someone gets overtaken, for some reason they then get overtaken by another two cars. And I, I, don't, I don't. Every time I watch it, that happens. You know guaranteed and you and you're there going why is that they've been overtaken it's electric all the talk all the time that's what people talk about electric cars why is it that they've been overtaken by one car and then another two have overtaken them every single time but also are, are we creating something that's gonna if if porsche 
deliver on biofuels, then surely it makes that formula defunct. Because it was, you know, Formula E and Formula One was always about it has to have some relevance to day-to-day road use of cars. Yeah. And you can, you know, there's a big trail of stuff that's been released in Formula One that has come to road cars. But with Formula E, okay, battery technology, yes, electric cars. But the thing is, if biofuels become a thing, are electric cars going to die a death? Because we're seeing way more electric cars only because there's so many more manufacturers doing it because they're on a, they're on a time limit. They've got a hard stop on when they can sell combustion-only cars. So that's why we're seeing them. It's, it's, a, it's a soft I guess they can be like, hybrid. It'll, it's be... a date that'll move a lot, right? Let's be realistic. The you know I think that no government anywhere is in a position to guarantee the infrastructure by the hard stop date. None anywhere. True. So yeah. and, until mm. that's resolved, I think the biofuel is going to be the band aid and say, look, we'll still do it, but it's got to be a biofuel only car. Or there'll be something like that, I'm sure. Or, yeah. You know, but, bio, but the thing is, biofuels, biofuels. You know, it's the same car as a combustion yeah, petrol right. car. It's so in theory, you know, without any modification, we can just put into our really old cars biofuels. And then you go, well, actually, why why are we building all of these electric cars? Because you're still digging stuff up in the ground. Um, you're not using clean energy to to charge them. And oh, you've got me started on electric cars now. Um, it's okay. Todd will love it. Yeah, that's, Todd's going to love that. Uh, sorry, Todd. But the, uh, <laughs> but the thing with electric car is that thing of, you know, it was probably the right thing to think about, but... Again, we didn't know what other side effect it was going to have building all the, you know, creating all of these batteries, transporting them around the world I think on, on, you know, gas guzzling ships. I think we did know that. I just think it was overlooked. But that aside, I'll, back to the racing part of it with Formula E, right? I'm just curious as to whether or not, like, how how long has it got in it? Like, it, the fact mm. that on street circuits should make for incredible experiences as a spectator right like all the i reckon i reckon the street circuits in formula one are the most exciting races for me because it gives me me, i know they're not the best race circuits so to speak but when you're seeing Mm. cars in the street you know going past shops and buildings you know like i love watching baku i love it right because they're just going through down through villages and stuff like that at 150 miles an hour. It's incredible to watch, you know, compared to Silverstone, which is an amazing circuit. It always produces great racing. But you watch it and you go, meh, another grandstand, another grandstand. It's like the Middle East races. But but the flip side of that is you've got Monaco. So Monaco, you get the great, you get the great, you know, (laughs) shots of people sat in restaurants with, yeah, there's people sat in restaurants with earplugs in and Formula One cars going past them. There's people lying on pool in pools. And you see over the side, and they, they see Formula One cars going. Yeah. But it, it's such an awful race. It's such an awful race. Yeah. If you qualify on pole, you're going to win it. And it's, you know, and, and you, people might say, "Oh, there's you know lots of people who've won it who weren't on pole." But it is a procession. It's it is a procession. Just I agree. An awful but spectacle. It's that's just yeah, that's just legacy from when cars were half the width of what they are today. Yeah, I have to admit, Monica, yeah. I'm not a great fan of. I've always been a sports car, sports car, and rally 
fan is what I grew up with. I've never been a particular fan of Formula racing, single seater yep. stuff. So I don't really watch Formula One, but I do watch Monaco. I do watch Silverstone. I do watch Spa and I do watch Monza. I don't watch anything else. <laughs> that's, that's, that, that sounds like about, he's, he actually watches about quarter of the season anyway. Yeah, but the thing so, is that, you know, Max is the classic uh, viewer, casual viewer of Formula One of that um, moving Sky, they they lost all of those viewers. So those casual viewers don't watch it anymore because you think, well, I haven't got access yeah. to it. Why would I pay for it? Yeah. Now, no, Max where, 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 where maybe there's a, a parallel with Formula E and EVs, you know, Mark, you make the good point about the, you know, where they run Formula E. You know, where EVs make sense is in cities, you know, urban driving. You know, that's where that's where they're relevant. That's where I would be interested in having one like an i3 or a sure. Honda E or something like that. I'd be down with that. You know, otherwise it's not for me. Uh and Formula E, you know, they 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 run them in cities and you know, maybe that parallel can keep keep going and maybe there's some longevity in that relevance but you know i i hope we can get you know mass production of biofuels going you know that can become a big you know that can become a significant part of the answer going forward and there's definitely been some i think even from the government you know there there there, there was a real witch hunt against the internal combustion engine wasn't there you know stupidly in a, in a typical five-year political you know bullshit narrow-minded cycle kind of way and there's been you know the Government in this country planted Giles Corrin to do a great column, you know, in the Sunday Times, which, you know, started the backlash against the EV in this country. Um, and there's now some gentle rowing back. Because as you say, Mark, you know, the, yeah. the hard stops or even the progressive stops that they put in were absolute nonsense. And they're going to row back from that. And we're going to carry on with a number of different solutions that uh, that all make sense. And I hope that biofuel is a big part of that. I really do. I, I, I genuinely believe the answer will be in an emission number. You know, like a vehicle can only put out X grams uh-huh. per kilometre or mile or X number of tonnes per year of um, carbon or something. This is where the answer is going to be. It's not, and how well, it's about- fueled won't be relevant. It's what it's doing after it's burnt the fuel. That I think is the common sense result of. What about the electric cars to account on this as well? What about the yeah the production emissions? So that's the bit I think that everyone's sort of wrestling with at the moment, and um, and how we and how we buy cars. That's a big one because you know if you're buying an electric car, you've got to do what what have they said? You've got to do a a hundred thousand miles before you start sort of making the saving on emissions and and carbon footprint and that kind of stuff, and. so if you're then selling the car for three years because you're on a three-month PCP, whatever it is, then you're just pulling putting out all of these electric cars that no one who's going to own it is making that saving. So if, in theory, if it's an electric car you're buying, you should keep that electric car for 10, more than 10 years, not just yeah. change it every few years. And yeah. that that completely that wouldn't make sense to have that same That's model it. of churning out these new cars. That is a good point. It, it wasn't it Volvo because Volvo yeah, maybe they with the comparison. their smaller XC they 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 said okay we we've got exactly the same car mm. which you can get with ICE or with EV and they yeah they came up with the with the figure didn't they whatever yeah, that was, it was, that, that was 60, about 80,000, 100,000. That was about three years yeah. ago that uh, report came out now and since then they've they've reassessed and the numbers now down to nearly half the kilometres because of how much oh more, is it yeah just because how many more renewables are now used by governments to create 
the energy needed to charge the batteries. Okay, so yeah, yeah. That's so that's a movable feast then, that number. Yeah, yeah. okay. That's so interesting. It will get better in their defence, right, you know, to try and keep this balanced. But now I know, Max, you've got a hard stop on. You've got another commitment. Other than, other I have, podcasts. yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we go, I do want to ask you yeah. a question that I asked Ajmal the other day, and I'm going to ask all our guests moving forward. You could be, if you could be gifted one Porsche and its maintenance managed for your lifetime, what would it be? Would it be a trophy car or a driver? And if so, which one? Uh, it would. It's one car only. I think it would be, it would have to be something I could drive on the road. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I wouldn't choose a 956 or a 962, which might be the obvious one for me. Because I can't drive it on the road, so I'd, I just can't get enough use out of it. Although I love just looking at them. What about Max Schuper? I'd want a driver. Um, the well, no, the thing you built. Yeah, yeah, they they don't quite do it for me. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm all in. You know, if I was going yeah, yeah, yeah. that down that route, I'd want something with provenance. Yeah, sure. and, you know, something with a Le Mans podium or something like that. <laughs> you know, that's the sort of thing I hanker after. So I think I. I, I tell you what, it is. I would I would have the. Uh, 964 RSR that won its class at Le Mans in 1993. I think after after the Jaguar XGT20 got thrown out, the one that Coulthard was in, mm-hmm. it got thrown out because it didn't have cats, didn't have the cat converters or something like that. So the car which which then won was a Labra Racing 964 RSR. Great looking car. Yeah. Um, and that could be made without too much difficulty that could be made road legal so i've got a class win at le mans yeah yeah uh and i've got road legal and i've got one of the best looking 911s ever that's what i have classic yeah, yeah. good yeah. choice would you have it in race livery yeah oh yeah absolutely yeah okay. yeah 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 i'd probably i'd accept i'd have to bring the ride height up a little bit from le mans spec but i'd do that to the just the minimum i'd want it looking literally like it just came off i probably even wouldn't put the number plates on it i'd just have them in the windscreen on the dash <laughs> and maybe on you know i try and i try and keep it as as racetrack refugee as i possibly could but i'd love to turn up at the pub so you so you keep the massive spoiler on the back yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah a, and the numbers a... i want the whole the whole nine yards i think that car lives in the states in fact it was the um it was a Luft, Luftgekult, you know, Pat Long's thing. Yeah. It was the sort of, um, yeah. you know, the poster car for one of those when they featured the 964. Oh. It, it was that, it was that car. Um, you know, it's, it's mostly white. It's got blue bumpers. It's got the little spotlights on the front as well. Yeah. Uh, it's a really great looking car. Labra, I think, was the team. Great choice. That, um, that ran it. So that would be, yeah, yeah that would be the car for me. Yeah, lovely. Good decision. Mm. Well, it's been a uh, it's been a cool. delight having you on today. So we appreciate your time. Yeah, and yes, fitting us in. Sorry, I it's can't stay great. for longer. That's all right. Talking music, talk property, cars, music, <laughs> yeah, yeah. EVs. We've covered it's a fair bit of ground still. Well, we'll, have, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get you on again, and you can you can have the uh, song that comes in next time. We'll uh, we'll let, we'll give you notice so that you can come up with some gold. Okay, I'll yeah. think of something. <laughs> That'd be good. I'd I'd really like that, guys. It's good to see you both. Yeah, you too, mate. But yeah, we'll you Ajmal and I will continue to uh, crap on like we always do. Thank you very much for your time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Enjoy. See you soon, guys. Cheers, mate. See you, mate. Bye. Take it easy. Bye. Bye. So it's great having Max on, Ajmal. That's it. Yeah, that was a strong choice. You're looking it up online at the moment, aren't you? 
I'm looking at it right now. It's a monster. And it's, uh, it is. But I mean, plenty of people have tried to make a, a road going version of it, haven't yeah, they? But I don't know if that's more to do Yeah, but the thing is, it's, it doesn't look right then, though, does it? It just looks, it looks too much. It looks like a Hot Wheels when car. When it's in a normal road color. It, it needs to be in the in the racing livery, I think. I think you might be right. It's an amazing looking thing. I know the car. It's um and the wing. Here's <laughs> the wing. Okay, they're they're Boeing aircraft. I know, small wings. Yeah. Do you know what? I, I going off the topic slightly. I saw a a two thousand and six Aston Martin Vantage the other day. It drove past, and I did. I you know I looked at it again. and I thought that's a nice looking car, and I looked it up, and they're not they're not very expensive. And you know, um, there's, there's why, but the thing I don't understand is like, a whole load of YouTubers have bought like Jag V12s, right, from the nineties. They've bought Bentleys from the early two thousands. You know, they've bought you know the the and, and you know a Jag S Type V6 and stuff like that and V8s. And I think why hasn't why hasn't anyone bought? Is it because it hasn't dropped under twenty grand yet? I don't know. Look, I've I've been in the fortunate position to drive a car of that era, one of those. Mm. They are stunning cars to look at. Great looking cars. Beautiful design. No one can dispute it. In fact, if there's anything Aston has done well throughout its career lifetime as a car manufacturer with a couple very few exceptions there are a few they make beautiful cars right look under <laughs> and the pointy one with the, the pointy one yeah is that the one you mean <laughs> yeah Mate. yeah every everyone's everyone's got their own special treat okay now but that aside i genuinely believe they're just not very good cars Sounds fantastic though. Four point yeah. three V eight. As a cruiser, look, the maintenance would probably cripple you. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I the electric, no windows, doubt the electric that. window stops working. What do I do now? Four thousand pounds. Yeah, but 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 it would be a whole load of Volvo or Ford parts in it. There'd be so, a ton of Ford parts in it. I think yeah. if the steering pump went, you'd get another one two hundred. Do you think you met Armstrong or something? Uh, no, he was doing it on a Lamborghini, wasn't he? He was doing the Mertilago. <laughs> Looking for VW partners. Yeah, he's, he's finding all those bits. But I did see, I think it's years and years ago, I'm sure someone like Tavares or somebody bought one. I'm talking more than five years ago. He just bought it back. And he was finding... I saw it on Instagram yesterday or on Twitter. Did he? Yeah, he's bought his old car back. <laughs> I think he needed well, someone to one... fix it. Ah, see, on that, I did, uh, he did start uncovering things like, you know, pastoring pump is Volvo or a Mondeo or something like that. But it's, the cost, you're right, would be crippling just from a point of view of fuel. And over here, it's road tax. So you'd pay, you know, just to park it on the street, it would be close to probably £600 um, a year. So, you know, it's coming up to £60 a month. That's just to drive to get it out on the road. Then you've got the fuel costs and obviously insurance. And then the maintenance, you're right. If something goes wrong, forget it. And I spoke to somebody who works at the Aston Martin garage down the road. And he said, Oh, yeah, if something went wrong, it, it'd just be it'd be horrific because you can't 
do the most basic things on it yourself without stripping it down. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, just look at it though. I couldn't. I couldn't abuse it like I could uh, my nine nine six. But it's, it's very what a pretty. fun thing to look at. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's um, I don't know. It's just it's, it. It kind of reminds me, which is probably politically incorrect, but it reminds me of you know the movie Heat. Yeah. Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, and it's where he's in the police station, and people are saying to him, "Why are you with that woman?" Because you know she's this, she's that, she's two timing you, whatever. And he looks at the guy and goes, yeah, "She got it." And he always reminds me of, I own that car, even though it's ruining me because it looks great. <laughs> it just looks great. And I think I would, I would at one point consider one, but I haven't driven one. If I drove one, I might just think, "Oh my god, that's horrific." Look, the so I don't know. I can't even comprehend you thinking fuel is a consideration to start with. Because it's not. Well, it like, would be on top of everything else. Ah, it's nothing in the scheme of the cost. But I would use it every day. I would use you, it every day. You would not be capable. In fact, you know what? You could, for the whole time of ownership, you say get the fuel bars and just pull the fuel straight out in the road, right? And that money would just rack up as yeah. you're pouring that fuel out. And you still wouldn't be, for the whole time you own that car, and it still wouldn't even come close to the other costs associated with that car. Yeah, on the assumption that it's not going to just go completely and utterly wrong, then fuel cost is a, a consideration. But also, if you buy one with, say, for example, there's a couple out there with over 100,000 miles on it, then you'd think, well, surely all of those things have been ironed out, like the windows and whatnot. Surely. On, on, honestly, I don't. this conversation's got to stop now. You talk, you try, you're looking <laughs> like for someone to talk you into doing something that you want to do right now. No, no. This is a poor decision, I right? I haven't got any money. I'm saving for the giant screws now. So, you know, I can't. Is, is I the can't giant screws in years to come going to be the equivalent of the 1950s windows that don't fit anymore? No, no. Well, the thing is, it's, you know, if it doesn't work, obviously the whole building is just going to sink on one side. <laughs> I don't look. This, this, anyway. Hey, um, have you had anyone contact you about the giveaway? No, I have not. Me either. No this... one wants the 918 Spider thumb drive. I know. With the, with the racing livery. Yeah. What is wrong with people? It's a freebie. It's we, We're struggling. We struggle to give stuff away. How is that? <laughs> how how shit free, is our free. podcast that we can't give stuff away? <laughs> I know. How shit are our giveaways that no one wants them? Bloody no. hell. No. Yeah, it's not, no, it's not, like, the, not, like, the guys, not like the guys at um, Nineworks. They gave, they gave away uh, 997 or something, didn't they, through the classic uh, giveaway? Oh, no, that wasn't them. Oh. Classic giveaways thing. I think they just promoted it. Ah, oh, okay. Or they were sponsored by it. I don't know, something like that. But, um, but I actually bought a ticket for that. I told you, didn't I? Which car? No. I bought a ticket for the 996 4S, for a 4S, and I bought a ticket for that, which cost, I don't know, £9 or something. Sure. And, you know, it's one chance in, what, 8000 9000 so I thought, you know, I might win that, but I didn't. (laughs) Someone did, and that's the important thing. Um, I don't have any other topics to come. Oh, 
on the weekend, went to a classic cars and coffee event, and there were a lot of... Oh, yeah, I saw that. There a lot of GD3 RSs there, 991s. I think there's like four of them. And there were a few Ferraris I saw. Yeah, there's a couple, yep. I, there's probably about 10 of them there, but the, the modern Ferraris I struggle to get excited about. After 458, they always blur into the same thing. In saying that, there's a lovely blue mm. F8 there, but I can't tell the difference between a 488 and F8 and a... You know, yeah. whatever the what's the yeah, one me too. I, I don't, man, I've lost track. You know, it's just, I, I've yeah, for me, I don't get it. For me, it's you know, Testarossa, Miami Vice style, uh, obviously 308 Magnum. Um, I do like a, a 348, I, I do like a 348 in the same way, like an um, uh, no, the 348, I think, would be pretty cool to have one of those. And uh, what's the one after 355? 355. Yeah, I really like 355 as well. They but the thing is, at the same time... They 355s, I reckon. They do, I know, but at the same time, and you know it's the whole thing of the, the belt service, you've got to take the engine out. Um, but the um, for me, it's don't think you could drive it, because people would look at you and go, dick. Like, what a dickhead. I'm in a Ferrari. I think I was a friend of mine who has a couple of Ferraris. I broached this subject with him about how there's like two places in the world you can arrive in a Ferrari, get out of it without people saying, who's that knob? Right? Yeah. Casino, Monaco, maybe, you know, picking up a coffee for the boys in, um, in um, Modena. I think they're probably the only two yeah. places globally. Maybe Milan, you could get away, you know. But outside of those two, like three locations, that'd be about the only. Then place. it would have to, it would have to be a uh, Portofino. Uh, it'd have to be a Man, type really? of. It'd have to be a type of Ferrari as well. In those places, you couldn't go with a three four eight. Yeah, you could. Um, well, and well, you know, three four eight borderline now becoming. Um, respect for living with that many problems for that long. Do you get what I mean when I say that? It's like when you see someone in an old V-dub thing with a wrecked roof and you see him driving it all weather, you think, man, that guy's cool. How tough is he? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. uh, But I think with – see, I did a search on a few of the um, car sales online places yeah, yeah. and looked for the cheapest for cheapest Ferrari going and it was a Mondial convertible I think and it was just proper it was worse than you know uh Scott's Ratarossa how much how um, much was it as well it was I think it was about 18,000 but the engine was out of it it was dark blue LS conversion tons of uh, uh, no, uh, someone had taken it out because the bodywork needed welding and then they just gave up. They took the engine out and gave up. And then you think, well, or did they take it out because the engine blew up and you don't know? But it was, and it, yeah, it was it was just slathered in uh, patina. Yeah. <laughs> By that, I mean rust. Yeah, yeah. And We all know what it means. And I just thought, you know what? And I thought if that was driving and it was 10 grand, I'd consider it, even though it's the worst Ferrari in the world. Oh man, like the Mondiales, really? It's terrible. It's terrible because that's the one where they, from one iteration to the next, they changed the way the engine was. 
yeah. transverse to yeah, whatever. Yeah, so in line, yep. And, um, or vice versa, I can't remember. And it's, you know, it's not particularly fast. It probably makes a nice noise. And it does, it just looks kind of ungainly. The proportions are all wrong, which is why I think the 348, they just kind of got it right because they proportionally they got it right, which is kind of a, it's a baby Testarossa. Um, so yeah, I, I like a 348. I wouldn't three five five better. I I wouldn't I couldn't bring myself to buy the poverty pack option. I'd go for a completely flog three four eight before I'd go for a reasonable mondial. Yeah, no, but it's if it, when it gets to a point price point and you go that I can't really turn that down <laughs> if you've got the money, which I haven't. But a three four eight, I'd go for a complete flog three four eight. I'd I'd do that. It's just right. such a great looking car. While we're on while we're on Ferrari talk, we went to the uh library after school today, which is a few blocks down from me. And we my daughter and I, we use the uh rear laneways to get down there to take the shortcuts, you know, through the back of um all the houses mm. in the suburb we go through to get there. And as we were coming out of the laneway into the street where the library is, there's a house whose garage I'd never seen open before. And I only, I'm only saying that because I'd never really noticed the house, but the garage door was up and a gentleman was walking out and there was a 246 GT Dino and a Ferrari 488 Pista parked there. And on the double lift above it was a Testarossa and an F40. What? What? What is going on here? You just think, what is happening? All in resale rent. Have you gone and made friends? No, no. I was, get out, mate, how are you? What's happening here? (laughs) That is amazing. Oh my God. That would be pretty awesome. Test Rossa, F40, 246 GT Dino, and 488 Pista. Just needs a Mondial, doesn't it? And a completely flogged Hilux parked out the front as his daily. Oh, that <laughs> kind of makes sense. That's yeah. what you do. That's what you do. See? Oh, my God. And I saw uh, a, I'm, yeah, I'm going to... Yeah, another garage. I saw a sneaky red GD3 that I didn't know existed not too far from here as well, which doesn't look like it sees a lot of day very often. I'll have, I'll have, you know, a collection when I get my giant screws in. When the giant screws are screwed... It's uh, it's it's gonna be like you know lifts, cars underneath, car on top. Gonna to be amazing. Is the weather turned I mean, enough for you to get the nine twelve up and going yet? No, it's snowing. Is it really? Not 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 that I want to yes. make this about the weather, but are you serious? What is where are we at? Seventh of March. Yeah, it's gone. It's gone from. Why is it still cold? And I played football last night, and I went to football. You know when you leave the house in the evening, and it's dark and it's kind of rainy. And I'm like, why is it still like two degrees? And then I wake up today and it's rainy, snowy. And I think it's next week the temperature goes up into double figures. But the rain's coming next week because it hasn't rained properly for weeks and weeks and weeks. But it's just been cold. So, so, so the 9 is going to be a for a little while. Yep. Yep. Sure. But, but the thing is, right now, it's all about the giant screws. <laughs> That's it. 
Okay. Well, Give pick. I've got my pickaxe so I can start digging. I can start digging the area. Get the giant screws in. Get the base on. And that's it. I might even do the build myself. Get the it's like a flat pack garage I'm getting. Yeah, okay. IKEA. Yeah, well not from IKEA. They should do them. They should do but, them. Um But I'm gonna need some uh you know burly men to help me put it up. Love to be I'd love to assist. But that a bit too far away, sorry mate. Hey um the I was going to ask, do you have any Porsche-focused events on the horizon? Um, there's uh, not really Porsche-focused. There's a Cars and Coffee coming up, which is going to be at the West Berkshire Brewery in Berkshire. And there's, I think, Bista, but that's not till April, Bista Heritage. So that's, again, not Porsche-focused. I can't think of a Porsche focused one that I've got coming up. Okay. So I think I need to, and also I need, I, I've just not, I've, I went to a couple, I went to Cars and Coffee at Podium Place, which is about 30 miles away. And that was good. But again, it's, you know, when it's freezing cold, you can't, you can't really enjoy it because your instinct is to go inside. Yeah, yeah, sure. And then you're not yeah, sat around cars. Although at Podium Place, obviously it's a, it's a coffee house mm -hmm. um but they also sell you know ferraris and god knows what else porsches and mclarens so you're sat in and around those cars that are off sale um but it's yeah my instinct is always to go inside so i'm hoping that there's going to be an event in the near future when the weather's improved great and there we've made it about the weather so so you know they're going to end on a positive <laughs> hey um before we before we wind up today i would like to hear from the listeners what their appetite would be like to hear some updates from people they may have heard about those people's cars on other podcasts because i've had two people reach out to me this week saying they'd like to give an update on their cars that they've spoken about in previous podcasts mm. i don't know how i feel about that yeah i don't know either but that? Let's hear let's let's hear from the um listeners if anyone's got an appetite for it and we'll assess it from there. Yeah, listener is king. Great. All right then, Ashwell. Well, thank you very much for your time today. It's been fun. Great to catch up with Max again. Yeah, thanks. And um Absolutely. Listeners out there, if you could please share our podcast with anyone else that you think might be interested and reach out to Ajmal and I, engage. Let's hear from you. Tell us what we need and to do for, you more know, if you want... or stop doing that's annoying you. Well, if you got this you know, apart from Ajmal's apart from stop. saying, you know, stop doing the podcast. Yeah. Uh, but the, <laughs> but the, you know, and, and let us know about the uh, 918 Spider USB stick or thumb drive. Anyone? Just reach out. Anyone. Thanks, yeah. everyone. It's Have free. a great time. Thank you.